Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Last, <clears throat> last night, Phil called me later in the evening. He wanted to report on the uh, trunk or treat. And he told me about how many people had shown up. And uh, so he said, now, you're speaking tomorrow night, right? And he said, now, Marjorie told us that you have two sermons. Sermon one and sermon two. He said, what sermon are you preaching tomorrow night? I said, well, I've grown up some. I'm preaching sermon number four. (laughs) That's the name of the sermon. Sermon number four. Now, if you want a name, only God's word produces a faith that saves. But I thought sermon four struck nicely. Want to begin with a... Uh, an event discussing a family. Uh, an article written by a preacher friend that, that I know talked about this couple that got married. Man was a member of the Lord's Church. The wife was a member of a denominational group in the area. They got married, and as they started their married life, she began to go and worship with him. And after a period of time, she said to her husband, you know, I've been going to your church for quite a while now. I think it'd only be fair if you would go with me to my church. And he said, well, dear, if you can look in your Bible, and I know you study your Bible, and find that I can forsake the assembling at the church where I attend, I will go with you. She said, well, I know that I've seen in, those, in the Bible somewhere that you can go to any church. He said, well, dear, start studying. She did. She later reports to her friends, you know what happened, don't you? After a period of study, I studied myself into the truth of the gospel, and I bade to the truth of the gospel. She found out that God's word produces a faith that saves. Now, years later, this man, her husband, became an elder in the church, and he said, the writer of the article said, she just loved to tell her conversion story. The author of the story went on to say, the reason I know this so well That's my grandparents. It's my grandmother and my grandfather. It's a preacher I know who works down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We know a lot of people who are good people who are trying to find their way in the world religiously. And they just get off track. And we know that there are many denominational groups that I have good precepts, precepts that would make anybody a good person. But somehow they miss the fact that only God's word produces a faith that saves. I, have a, I had a brother-in-law, good man. I've talked about him often, but when he passed away, the executor of his estate said, I couldn't believe how many religious books he had. He had books 
on world's greatest religion, everything on religion. He also had a Bible. And I'm convinced that my brother-in-law was trying to find an answer to his spiritual concerns in man's word, not in God's word. And I think very clearly that's what he was trying to do. Well, this evening we are going to look at the idea of only God's word produces a faith that saves. First thing we need to understand that Jesus is the only Savior. In John, the 14th chapter, verse 6, a few weeks ago, Jack had me read that. I thought he was going to steal my sermon, but he didn't. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but me. But in what way is Jesus, how is Jesus the way? The first thing I see, he is the way by his teaching. Jesus has been considered the master teacher. We have seen him teach effectively with large groups, the Sermon on the Mount, when teaching with his disciples as he walked along the way, and one-on-one, such as the woman at the well in John, the fourth chapter. He was a great teacher, but more importantly, he left us a great body of instruction in his word, and his father confirmed that. In the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew, the 17th chapter in verse 5, said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him, or listen to him. Listen to what his word teaches you. That's one way in which he is the way. Another way in which Jesus is the way is by his example. In 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 21, we read, Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He left us an indelible example that we should follow. Think about this. His love, his compassion, his caring, his humility, and I think of his boldness. In John, the seventh chapter, remember near the middle of that chapter, the first part of that chapter, Jesus comes secretly to the temple where they're all gathered, comes in and stands up and speaks, boldly proclaims there in the middle, Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ proclaimed God and his principles. And you remember they said, who is this man? He's not a learned man. How does he know all this? And Jesus said, but I teach comes from my father. And then thirdly, he is our the way by virtue of his sacrifice. We cannot forget the great sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his blood on Calvary's cross to purchase for each of us hope for life eternal. And through his teachings, he provides for us absolute and eternal redemption. For those three reasons, Jesus is the way by his teaching, by his example, and his sacrifice. But beyond that, we need to realize that 
Jesus is not showing us the way. Jesus is the way in his person and in the church. He is the way to the Father in heaven. Not a way, but the way. Secondly, Jesus is the truth. Now, God's is, truth is God's morality. That's what God is. He's just truth. And Jesus said in John in 17th chapter and verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Don't we love to hear the truth? And when you're dealing with anybody and in any situation, don't we just love the truth? And sometimes it's difficult for people simply confess the truth of the matter. As I involved in a situation once in Iowa with a search and a particular person who for a day him hard around what was going on in his spiritual life. And finally, finally, after pressuring him, meeting with us, he finally committed, admitted he had committed adultery. He tried to phase that in six or eight different ways. But the truth changed that person's life, changed his family's life. He overcame all of that. But the first thing we had to have was the truth. Don't you just love to know the truth? Paul confirmed this about Jesus being the truth when he wrote in Philippians, the fourth chapter in verse 12, as the truth is in Jesus. What is nothing can be more comforting to anyone who studies God's word and who comes to love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that know that he is the truth. And the lastly, he is life. You know, life requires a connection to a life-giving source. If we get out here and cut a limb off any one of our trees, you waited a while, the limb would die because it has no connection to a life-giving source. A young baby in its mother's womb is connected to a life-giving source by the umbilical cord. You have to be connected to a life-giving source. And you realize that in the creation, Jesus was there, and all that is created, even us in our physical lives, is due to the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was there in the creation, and he gave us life, getting connected to a life-giving source. You know, it's, he is a source from which, from, from which comes all spiritual and eternal blessings. In 1 John, the fifth chapter, verses 11 and 12, we read, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Think about that idea, being connected to the life-giving source, our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. When a person puts on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in baptism, he is now connected to that great life-giving source. And that's a wonderful blessing that we have in life, to be connected to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as a life-giving source. Now, secondly, only God's word produces the faith that saves because it is, because it is the very word of God. Now, this morning when Jim o Steve Olson was giving the Lord's Supper, he selected this verse. He had these verses which come next, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And I started to get a little nervous sitting back there. And then when he went on and quoted from Acts, the fourth chapter in verse 12, in his lesson for the Lord's Supper, I thought I was in real trouble, but he stopped there, so I relaxed. But I just thought somehow he'd gotten hold of the notes from my lesson and was going to use them with me, against me this morning. But in 2 Timothy, chapter, 2 Timothy 4, verses 13 and 16, for a scripture reading, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now you think about all of the things that are provided through scripture. They're profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the, we may be equipped, thoroughly equipped, for every good work. This morning in his lesson, Brett suggested a good work. He said, I want you to call somebody this week. Pick up your phone and call somebody to encourage them. That's a good work. That idea, we as Christians are thoroughly equipped for every good work. And when you look at these verses, you come to this conclusion. These verses equip the Christian in every area of our lives, and they give us a spiritual coherence that nothing else can provide. In those verses, we have that great blessing. But then, no sooner do you read those verses than we turn to Peter's confirming words in 2 Peter 1, 20 and verse 21. These are verses which I feel parallel together. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now these passages enlarge and emphasize Paul's statement in 2 Timothy 13, 16, 3, 16, and 17. They are important verses. And these verses, I believe, from Peter confirm the validity of God's word. What did he say? God spoke. God chose men to write the words. The Holy Spirit guided in the writing. And so we can have confidence that we pick up this book that we are engaged with what God wants us to know. We can be convinced that we're engaged in what God wants to know 
about life, salvation, and eternity. We can trust God's word. I hope you could say amen to that, but I really believe that. Uh, I think it's very important. But at the same time, at the same time, Matthew records words to give us an admonition. Beware of false prophets who come into you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. There are many people in our world today who make a lot of false claims about a lot of things, and people can be drawn away from the truth of God's word. You have some guru with some new insight and pathway to salvation. You have some spiritualist with some awe-inspiring dream. And you say, well, Lauren, that can't really happen. But think about Jim Jones. Think about how he took God's word and corrupted the minds of many people and led them to their death in Guyana. Or David Kirish, Kirish in Waco. People who take God's word and twist it and turn it and draw people to them. It's not the truth of God's word. It's their understanding of the truth of God's word. So we have to be careful. Help us be a people who really stick to God's word. And when you hear something doesn't sound right, check it with God's word. When I was a young Christian, the preacher we had, George Mayfield, used to say, he told me one day, Orrin, he said, uh, what do you think of my sermon today? And I said, it was okay. And he said, uh, do you ever check me out? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, do you ever listen to my sermon, go home and verify if what I've said is actually truth from God's word? I said, no, George, I haven't. He said, well, if you're going to be a good student of God's word, don't just listen to what I say, check me out. And since that time, I've learned the importance of being somewhat of a student of God's word. But if I hear something that sounds strange, I go straight to God's word to find out. That's... Now, we just cannot afford to be drawn away from the truth of God's word. And then the third point I want to share this evening, only God's word teaches that salvation is in Jesus' name. Acts the fourth chapter and verse 12. For there is no other, excuse me, for is there a salvation in any other? For there is no other name under heaven which given among men by which we must be saved. Peter not only proclaimed Jesus' name as the way to salvation, he said there is no other way to salvation. And remember at the beginning, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But there are people who have a hard time with the idea that Jesus is the only way to salvation. They want something else. They want something else. But if you want to have a spiritual relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it is going to be through him and his word that takes you 
to that point. You know, people love Jesus. There are people who disrespect Jesus. There are people who simply hate the idea of Jesus Christ. I want you to ask this question. It's the only name that people take in vain. No one says, what in Allah's name is going on? No one says a text message or an email with OMB. Oh, my Buddha. You just don't. You just don't. But only Jesus' name has the power and the punch behind it to matter. It's a name that's changed so many lives. For over 200,000 years, 2,000 years, Jesus has changed people's lives. But more than that, he has transformed people. He is the great transformer. He's transformer. He's purified the drug addict, made liars tell the truth, cleaned up cursing mouths, and saved souls from eternal hell. And you can say, I'm certain that you know people he's changed. I uh, have two sets of friends in Iowa. I've used this, their examples before. Two brothers, two cousins, who every Saturday night almost, the bar was where they went with their wives. And they were young, in their 20s, 25s, but that's where they were every Saturday night. Back in 1967, somebody invited them to a Bible study. So they agreed to go to this Bible study, all four of them. The person conducting the Bible study was a little overwhelmed that not only the four of them, but some of their children came. But they conducted the Bible study and went for about three weeks. At the end of those three weeks, the two men and their two wives requested to be baptized. And they were baptized. And over the years, no more going to the bars, no more drinking, stopped smoking, and had been faithful members of the church since 1967 to 2021. 2021. God transformed their lives, and he transformed many of their children's lives. God's, what well, we realize that salvation is only in Jesus' name. I'd like to close with a word from, and I've used this before, but I, need, I think it fits very well, from John Greenleaf Whittier. We search the world for truth. We call the good, the pure, the beautiful from graven stone and written scroll, from all the flower fields of the soul. And we, weary seekers of the best, we come back laden from our quest to find that all that the sages said was already written in our mothers, in the book our mothers read, the Bible. Search all you want. 
read every encyclopedia, every book written by man describing religion. But if you want to find the faith that saves, you'll find it only in God's book, the Bible. Jesus closed his statement on John the 14th chapter and verse 6 by saying, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All spiritual blessings are wrapped up in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you want to enjoy the spiritual blessings, the great fellowship that comes with being a part of a great body of believing people, the only way to do that is to put on your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in baptism. I think I know the spiritual condition of most of the people here in the audience this evening. But if, you would be so, if you're interested and you need to make that change in your life tonight, we would encourage you to do it. But if in your life you have lost contact with the saving blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you want that contact back again, we would encourage you to make that known to us as we stand and sing for your encouragement. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.